0: Our scripture reading this morning for the sermon text comes from the fourth gospel of John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may be more fruitful. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is
1: the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Joe. Would you just join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you supply us with life, that you are the source of our life, you are the source of our joy, you are the source of our being every day, and I pray, Lord, that we would be able to enjoy and take hold of real life, that we would be able to get tapped into you more and more fully, uh, and to know that you are where our life comes from. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, another quick reminder, I know uh, Shelton went over this, but uh, next week we're going to be shifting uh, our start of worship time to 11 o'clock, so that's that's next week I could have used that reminder myself uh, i got a, I got a week start on the new time this week, so uh, I was very grateful that there was no traffic really or accidents uh, on the way here uh, but if you come at ten you'll you'll actually it'll be less less stressful uh, so Jackson was like are you are you coming uh, <laughs> so uh eleven o'clock next week, not this week um, so we are uh, this week finishing up our our series on the I Am statements of Jesus, and uh, as a preview next week, we're going into a, a new series. We're going to launch into a series on the life of Jacob. Uh, I'm really actually looking forward to this series quite a bit because we'll see really quickly with Jacob, he is a very, very flawed character, uh, and so the focus of this series is on how God uses and redeems us uh, with our flaws. We're going to see that in Jacob and hopefully we'll get a sense for how God redeems and uses us in the midst of our flaws. Uh, so that's going to be starting next week. This week we're concluding, though, with these seven I am statements from Jesus. This week we're on the last one, chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And this passage is really, it's the unfolding of a rather lengthy, perhaps one of the longest forms of analogies that Jesus uses to get at how we are to understand our relationship with him. He spends a lot of time on this analogy. Uh, And so, before we go any further into this analogy, I think it's helpful for us to ask, well, where is this going? And So what? Or what, what will we get out of this? If we, if we really get this analogy, right, if we really understand this, if we grasp what Jesus is trying to get us to know about us and him, what will that result in? And there's two things. There's two things that will come from that, and they are purpose and joy. We're going to get purpose and joy if we understand this teaching. So pretty high stakes here. I'm getting this from verse 5 and verse 11. So take a look. If you can keep your Bible or your app, whatever, open in front of you, I'll refer to some of these verses as we go along. You can see in verse 5, this is what happens if you abide. Jesus says, Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit. All right, so in the context here, Jesus is the vine and, and we are the branches. And so bearing a lot of fruit would be fulfilling your purpose as a branch. Okay. And then verse 11, Jesus says, I have spoken these words that, All right, in other words, here's why. Here's why Jesus has just said all this. Here's why he's given us this big, long analogy. Here's the reason. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So this is what Jesus wants for us to get out of this analogy, out of this teaching. He wants us so that we're we're bearing fruit and fulfilling our purpose, and that we are getting closer to a fullness of joy. So again, there's a lot here that Jesus is, is wanting us to receive. And these two things are actually very closely related, purpose and joy. And as an aside, I'm not going to spend all of our time here, but a, a lot of us, and myself included here, a lot of us live a lot of our lives without much joy. I'd so that's often the case. And, and we're not always consciously aware of that. I, I think that would be very hard to be, but we're bothered by this. I think at a, at a deep level, we're bothered by, I, I, I'm not having as much joy as I should. And so we go around our lives trying to look for, how do I get more joy from life? And most commonly, if you look for the answers that the world has to offer, most commonly it's going to offer some form of recreation and consumerism. Right? So buy more stuff, do more fun things. That's how you'll be happier. That's how you'll have more joy. Entertainment and comfort. Those are the those are the main solutions. And so what happens then is you have a, a people they're you know, lounging in their giant uh, entertainment rooms, you're sipping your, your custom wine or your microbrew and wrapping up your fourth show of Netflix in a row, and you get up from all that and like, "Boy, why don't I feel more happy?" because oh, that's not actually your purpose and then you have people on the other side and this is probably more of a temptation for myself but all of us are going to fall on one side or the other and sometimes just depends on what day it is but you believe that well the real pathway to joy is in achievement and success and so if i just climb high enough if i just do enough if i just make enough money if i just become a, a noteworthy enough person then I'm going to be satisfied. All right, and of course, if you think about that for 10 seconds, right, and you start thinking about famous people that you know or see, you think, huh, why is it that none of them seem very happy? Well, it's because that's not actually your purpose either. And so our purpose and our joy is found in bearing fruit. And you do that by abiding in Jesus, with this, this vital relationship with the vine, Jesus. That's what this passage is telling us. So the main point for us this morning is to bear fruit by abiding in Jesus. Bear fruit by abiding in Jesus. And what I want to sort of focus our time on is uh, the key word from this passage. Anybody want to take a wild guess what the key word in this passage is, just, just shout it out if you, you got an idea. Yeah, abide, right? This, this word occurs 10 times in the course of 11 verses, so safe to say that's a pretty important word for this passage. And this passage gives us basically three descriptions or three explanations of how we abide in Jesus, all right? So, so that's where we're going. So the first way you abide is by focusing on jesus all right second way you abide is by being filled with his word and then the last one the way the last way you abide is by following his commandments all right so that's where we're going that focus on jesus be filled with his word and you follow his commandments now, before we go any further into talking about these various ways and, and this analogy, I, I think it's helpful for, in order for us to understand this analogy, to understand two words, there's some two pretty important words in this. One of them is fruitfulness, and the other one is abiding. All right, so what do these two words mean, fruitfulness and abide? Well, fruitfulness, fruitfulness is a little bit harder to pin down, because Fruitfulness, generally speaking, is that you are showing how great, how awesome Jesus and God is. That's being fruitful. And so, the fruit, that sort of fruit, is going to differ from tree to tree. I think we can understand that. And, but I, I think we can all also understand that although there are different kinds of trees, and so there's going to be different kinds of fruit... We want to be fruitful right, in bearing whatever sort of fruit or nut or flower it is you're supposed to be making. You want to make a lot of it. Okay? That, that's what being fruitful means. I think we can understand that. That's a tree fulfilling its purpose. It's doing its job. So that's what we all kind of naturally want in our lives. We might not know what the final, the finished outcome of our fruit is going to look like, but we want to be fruitful. Yeah, we, we don't want to just be, I made one little apple this year and then two kind of measly withered apples the next year, uh, or, or even worse than that, you're withered and you're dying and, and you've, you've got nothing. So that's the idea of being fruitful. What about To abide. What does it mean to abide? Well, hopefully, we're going to get a better sense of that as we look at these three different ways that we abide. But I think we can all acknowledge that "abide" is not a word that we're very familiar with. This is not a word that shows up very much in our English conversation. You know, if you're if you're traveling somewhere and and somebody offers for you to abide with them for a few days. Answer should probably be no. Okay, you know, it's, just, it's not. It's not usually what we're saying. But abide—it just means that you stay. It means that you remain. Okay, and but we'll see in this passage particular that abiding is not passive. That there's a very active, ongoing choice. And so, to abide in Jesus means that you don't leave. You don't stray. That that you stay with him actively. That's what abiding means. So, the first way let's look at the first way that we bear fruit by abiding in Jesus, and that is by focusing on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. I'm getting this from verse 4. Verse 4 says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. All right, so this is what makes both uh, bearing fruit, this makes bearing fruit both really easy and really hard. Because it's the same thing that makes the gospel really easy and really hard. How do you bear fruit? How do you become a really effective powerful, useful, dynamic Christian, have that sort of Christian life? It's by trusting in Jesus. It's by loving and connecting to this vine Jesus. That's it. You think about the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? It's don't look at yourself. Don't look at how worthy you are or unworthy you are. Don't look at what standards you're living up to or not living up to or whether you have arrived at a position in your life that you think that you now can start bringing some religion. You're you're okay enough. I'll I'll start bringing some religion into my life. The message of the gospel is, is look at Jesus. Look at how much He's done for you. Look at how amazing that He is. Look at how much He loves you. Receive the life. Just receive the life. That he is going to give you. Right? And that's, that's really easy and really hard. So, I mean, this is the picture of the branch. It wants to bear fruit. It wants to produce this fruit. But it's got to get all of its life, all of its vitality, all of its nutrients, all of its resources from the vine. It, it, it can't do anything without that. So it, it, but as it does that, the fruit is just going to come. It's just going to happen. So this is the main point Jesus is really trying to drive home about being really fruitful. The way that you become a really super, abundantly, incredibly fruitful person, the sort of person who's just bursting forth with life and energy and resources for other people, the way you become that kind of person is Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on Jesus. And the fruit will just come. It will happen. It's just so easy for us to get this wrong. So easy. Because we get so fixated on seeing the fruit. Making sure the fruit is there. Am I I getting the right fruit? Am I just churning in and and focusing all of my strength on producing the the right metrics that I'm going to be able to feel good about, that I'm going to be able to hang my hat on and think I'm doing a good job. And and we forget that that's entirely the wrong way around. I'm not saying that objective results or metrics are wrong or bad. Those things are useful. We've got to have objective kind of metrics in our life we got to have some way of looking at our life and saying is what i believe matching up is it producing the kinds of things that I, i say that i care about in my life but if i just if i just stare at the results that i think being fruitful should produce these are the things that it should happen here's what can happen right i want you to hear this Because it's tricky. You may actually be able to manufacture those results. You can do that, but that's not the same thing as being truly abundantly fruitful or having this this sort of eternal impact that God might have you to have. Let me just give a a practical example here. I'm just going to take... As an example, the the fruit of radical hospitality, right? Because this is a value that we have here at All Saints. Which, by the way, all values are fruits. That's what you're doing when you, you sort of you label a value. You're saying we want this is the fruit. We want to see this. And by the way, this is an amazing, just an awesome, incredible Christ honoring, Bible filled fruit to look for. Right? This idea of radical hospitality. And for what it's worth, right, in in the small time that we've been here, my my wife Liz and I, we've really felt this. We've really felt this from you guys. We felt really well cared for and and loved and and received and and that, that hospitality. But here's what can happen, right, when you have any sort of fruit. Here's what can happen, right? Let's say that I come into All Saints, right, and you know, I, I like it here well enough. It, it seems like, um, you know, there's some really good worship here and people are generally pretty nice and I, I can tolerate the preaching, all right? So I figure, okay, um, this is this is good. And, and so, but I, I decide, as I decide to become a member of All Saints, part, I hear part of being a good member of All Saints is radical hospitality. Okay, great. So I think, all right, I am going to really do this. I am just going to knock this. Out. I am going to be so stinking hospitable. I, I'm, I'm just I'm going to be having people in my house all the time. So many people, they're just going to be tripping over each other. I'm, I'm going to be stuffing their faces with zucchini bread. It just it's going to be nothing against zucchini bread, uh, but it's it's going to be amazing. All right? And maybe that's who you are, right? Maybe maybe God has has gifted you in that way. Right, and that's, that's terrific. Right, but <laughs> I, I can tell you for myself, if I were to do that, I, I would run out of people to invite in, in like two weeks, right? Because Justin w- would not be in a very hospitable mood after about two weeks, right? You would not want to be around me. Uh, so I, I think it, it goes without saying, though, that is not how you become radically hospitable. You become radically hospitable by looking at Jesus. Right? And as you begin to see Jesus, you begin to see the sort of, sort of person, sort of God that he is, and how he treats you and others, right? and, and how loving and open-armed and, and gracious and non-judgmental he is, right? and that he is that way to you. Right? That, that he is accepting of you and loving and, and laying down his life for you, then you will become more hospitable. It, it will just happen, and it will affect the entirety of your life. It will affect how you treat everybody, how you encounter others, how you have conversations. Right? It won't just be this one kind of little metric of, how many people did I get inside my house? Right, it, it will be this Christian transformation, right? It's this whole life full transformative kind of thing. right? That's why you can't just focus on a fruit. you've got to focus on Jesus. So let me go on to this second thing that abiding means. It means that you are being filled with His word. I'm getting this from verse seven. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this is one of those infamously hard sayings of Jesus. And uh, it's almost exactly the same, actually, as a promise Jesus makes one chapter earlier. If uh, you look in chapter 14, this is verses 13 to 14, almost the same promise. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I, this is hard, right? Because that is a pretty extravagant promise. What is being promised here? What do we do with this? Now, fortunately, the verse in our chapter gives us a little bit better understanding of what Jesus is getting at but before we go back there i want to look at one other verse in the new testament it gives us some guardrails of what is not being promised so this is james chapter 4 verses 3 you can go there i'll just read it though he says you ask and do not receive why because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions all right, so very clearly, if you ask, okay, God, would you please give me a million dollars in Jesus' name? It's not going to work like that. So uh, what is being said here? Well, go back to our passage, chapter 15, verse 7. And you can see in this verse, Jesus is telling you that you need to abide in him but then, instead of Jesus abiding in you, like it says in verse 4, now this time it is His Word that abides in you. All right, So, we can see here there is a super close identification of Jesus and His Word. Jesus and Scripture. So, the more you have God's Word shaping you, abiding you, directing you, the more that you are going to be connecting with the person of Jesus Himself and His Spirit. And, as we learn from this verse, the more you are being filled with God's Word, the more likely you are to pray the kinds of prayers that are going to be in alignment with His will. The kinds of prayers that God is going to say yes to because you're abiding in His Word. So, if you walk away from this morning thinking, okay, well, how do I do this? How, how do I get more of Jesus abiding in me? Or, or how do I get more abiding in Him? Uh, this is one really big piece of it, right? that, that we get more of Scripture in our heads and in our hearts. But let me move on to the last way, the last way that we abide, and this is following his commandments. So we abide by focusing on Jesus, not the fruit, by being filled with His Word, and then lastly here, by following His commandments. I don't think it's insignificant that this one comes last. Because if this is where you start, if you start by saying, okay, I'm going to, uh, the way I'm going to abide by Jesus and track with Him and be connected to Jesus is by doing the right things you got the entire analogy wrong. You, you missed the whole point of the analogy. <laughs> so Jesus is saying there's an organic picture here, right? And where and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And, and it's a growth organic picture. It is not a step-by-step plan that if you do these things, right? And so our growth and our fruitfulness is dependent on this organic, vital, life-giving connection that we have with Jesus that makes us fruitful people. The tree doesn't make an apple and then decide, oh, I'm an apple tree. But a healthy apple tree is going to make apples. Now, at the same time, though, we, we've got to understand, this is very clear from what Jesus says here, that abiding is very active. It's not saying, okay, yeah, I'm a Christian, and then I just do, you know, go off and do whatever I feel like doing. Now, up to this point, a number of Jesus' listeners, probably a number of us, right, are tracking along pretty well with this. Dude, we like this. You know, abiding, this sounds great. It sounds like resting. Uh, and I'm just, I'm hanging out with Jesus. I'm, I'm being filled with him. I'm receiving life. I'm receiving energy from him. Uh, this is amazing. All right, but then we get here, and it sounds a little bit out of sync we, we don't like this as much as now there's commandments and i think that this passage is perhaps one of the most useful in breaking down one of the most common ways that we get god wrong right christians and non-christians and that is the question of is god love or is god law is god love or is God law? Right? As you can see from this analogy that is a 100 percent false dichotomy. It's totally imaginary thing to try to split it, because he, he is both. One of the ways that God loves us is through His laws. And His laws are always loving. Let me say that again. One of the ways that God loves us is through his laws. And his laws are always loving. Listen to verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. All right, so how does this work? It works the same way it does for any good parent or teacher or boss. Now You don't earn God's love by keeping the commandments. When we follow God's commandments... We are staying inside the good and safe and positive parameters that God has laid out for us because He loves us. You don't tell a child not to play with knives because you're a killjoy and a control freak. You tell a child not to play with knives because you love him or her and you want them to be safe and happy. Uh, i don 't know if i 'm going to uh, probably lose some credibility with some of you for for quoting The Simpsons here, but um, yeah, I used to watch a lot of Simpsons and and don 't blame my parents; they were def- definitely against it uh, but there 's this one Simpsons episode where Homer he has this picture of God, and it 's one of those it 's the, the picture that like you tilt it one way and it 's one picture, and you tilt it another way and it 's another picture. Right, and so in one, in one picture, there's God, and he's got his thumbs up, and he's smiling, and he's really laid back. And, and then the other picture, he's, he's pointing his finger, and he's frowning, and there's clouds. Uh, and, and so he's flipping the picture back and forth, and he says, Loving God, vengeful God. Loving God, vengeful God. And that's really how we think about God a lot of times. Like, which one am I going to get today? Or maybe which one do I prefer? Do I want the God who's really kind of chilled out and bro-God and he's really easygoing? Or, or do I want the God that's, that's condemning other people for doing the wrong things while I'm, of course, doing the right things? And we see here both of those are inaccurate. right? Not, neither one of these are true depictions of God. God's commandments are there for us to experience good things and to be in His love. Now, this is really a pretty straightforward relational principle. If you do something that you know that your friend would love or enjoy or your spouse, you feel more of their love, even if they don't know that you're doing it, right? And vice versa, right? You do something you know that is going to bother them, you, you feel less. And so what God is trying to tell us is that we can abide in, we can experience more of the atmosphere of God's love by pursuing the things that He tells us. It's not that God changes, but we, we experience more of that. Let me close by just offering one more practical takeaway. So the main point is that Jesus wants us to bear a lot of fruit by abiding in Him. And you do that by focusing on Jesus, not on the fruit, by being filled with His Word, and by following His commandments. All right, great, but that's you know, three things. Each one of those things is pretty broad. So, uh, what can I do? What can I do tomorrow to move toward being more in a place of abiding? Well, The simple answer to that is pray, uh, because as we hear in this passage, Jesus tells us clearly you and I can't do anything. We can't do anything apart from God and apart from Jesus, and that includes more abiding, so you got to pray. But I understand that telling you to pray is only helpful up to a point. So uh, let me give one more analogy, and it's a bad analogy, so I apologize up front, but Hopefully, precisely because it is such a bad analogy, maybe it's going to stick in your mind. Some, uh, but so you're all familiar with the game of freeze tag. You you run around and you try to be the last one uh, frozen and, and tagged. Well, in this game though, there is always a safe place. Right? There's always it's usually like a giant tree or a building or something like that, and that's your home base. Right, and so you you know, as long as you're there, as long as you're you're touching that, you're safe, right? And so sometimes you're you're holding your hand on it, uh, 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 you, know, you do that, or you like you leave and run for like two seconds, and you run back to home base. Jesus is our home base, okay? He, he's our he's our safe place, and so to abide in Jesus means you're making a lot of trips back to home base right, throughout the day. It's, it's kind of like these touch points that, that we grow in doing of like, what I'm going through my life and what would Jesus have to say about this? What would Jesus be thinking about this? Uh, how would he want me to represent him better in this conversation or this task? How, how can I connect with Jesus while I'm doing this. And of course, if you get frozen, what's the first thing you got to do? You run back to home base. And so that's what I want us just to be praying, that, that we could be doing more frequently, more regularly in our lives. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I, I thank you that you give us the strength and the resources, the energy that we don't have. We don't have to muster it up ourselves. We don't have to, to really just clench our fists and push and, and hope that we're going to produce and squeeze out a, a fruit uh, or more fruit than we have before. But, but we get that energy and life simply by abiding in you. Would you help us to focus on you? Would you fill us with your word? Would you enable us to be following your commandments? so that we stay in this continual connection with you, and and that, that that is a joy and a safe place. In Jesus' name, amen.